Hello, I'm Christian, and you're listening to Inside the Cambodia Project, an educational podcast where we discuss cutting-edge research on sustainable business in an emerging market. Welcome. Today, we will be discussing the origins of the Cambodia Project with the man who started it, Benjamin Beck. So Ben V. Beck is an assistant professor of marketing in the Marriott School of Business at Brigham Young University. Ben earned his PhD in marketing at the Pennsylvania State University, his MBA from Brigham Young University, and his BA in Business Information Systems from the University of Utah. His research interests focus primarily on business as a force for good. And prior to his time in academia, Ben managed marketing for a number of small to medium tech companies in Utah. Despite his near addiction to tech and marketing, he also loves to get away from it all and spend time cycling in the mountains or hiking, rock climbing, and camping. Ben and his wife live in Orem, Utah with their two rambunctiously entertaining boys. So Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, I wanted to kick things off with a quote from Albert Einstein. Uh-oh. Okay, you ready? <laughs> Go. So it says, he says, if we knew what it was we were doing, then it wouldn't be called research, now would it? <laughs> and my follow-up question after that quote is, what would you say to our good friend Albert about our research? Like when we talk about the Cambodia Project, what is it that we're doing? Um, wow, I, I like that quote. Um, we're taught in research. I was taught at, at Penn State very closely that before I go into any research, I kind of need to have a really good idea of what I'm doing. So that kind of contrasts with what Albert Einstein uh, quoted, right? okay. if, if that was his quote. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to go into this Cambodia project with a good idea of, of what I want to do. And I'm sure we'll discuss that on this podcast. But... Um, what I'm really trying to do is learn and grow and develop and, and hopefully open up the country of Cambodia for research. What's fascinating is there's a lot of research done for the global south or emerging markets in places like India, Mexico, South America. Southeast Asia is rather untapped. And of those countries, the one that's probably the least uh, benefited by research, international research, is Cambodia. Mm. So... A large goal of this project is to simply open up the country for myself and others that are interested in doing research in that part of the world. Interesting, Ben. So it's so you disagree with with Albert, right? <laughs> <laughs> that research sometimes you do need to know what you're doing, but maybe you agree in the in the fact that we don't know a lot about Cambodia, right? Absolutely, we don't know a lot about about Cambodia, and, and honestly. Um, I have the, the three letters PhD after my name, but that doesn't make me, I'm, I'm not that different from you, Christian. I have no idea what's going on either. I'm, <laughs> I'm learning as I go. So in, in that regard, I would agree with Albert. I don't know if that's comforting or not. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so one more question before we move on. What, where do you see um, this going? Like, is this going to be a longer term research project for you? Is this just a one year thing, one and done? Like, what, what are your hopes and dreams for this? Yeah. So from a purely academic side, there's the phrase publish or perish that anyone with those three letters, PhD at the end of their name, they really worry about that. If I don't get enough publications, I don't get tenure. That's what people think in this field. So a goal for myself is to get publications. 
this is actually a very risky project for me because I need to get enough publications in the first couple of years of my career to be able to get me tenure. And if I don't get it, I have to move to a different university. It's kind of a risky spot. Cambodia, a project like this is very long-term and it's something that I know I'm not gonna see a lot of fruits from my labor for several years working in this space. So you would say this is more of a long-term Absolutely, long-term investment. Um, high risk academically, but high reward too. Because if I can show some of the things I'm hoping to show in Cambodia, that will earn me tenure. But more importantly, it will help these people in Cambodia and help me feel good about my career, right? And the, and the research and the humanitarian uh, things that I'm trying to do. Gotcha. That, yeah. I think that's that's really commendable. Um, before we get into talking more about Cambodia, could you talk about just some of the basics of um, the one of the topics that we have, which is CSR or corporate social responsibility? Yeah. Just why why is that our our area of interest as far as the Cambodia project goes. Yeah, you know this rather well, Christian, because you've, you've studied and you've been working with me on this project for some time. But corporate social responsibility, taking a step back, is, well, when I first did my business degree, um, what was this, uh, 17, 18 years ago, I graduated in 2009. When I did my business degree, a lot of the classes I taught, or I, I took from teachers, wonderful teachers, they were teaching us that businesses are all about making money. Okay. In 2023, that dynamic has changed. Interesting. Where consumers expect businesses to be about money and taking care of their stakeholders. And stakeholders include customers, of course, the investors in the company, those that hold the stock, but also the employees, the families of the employees, and the community in which they operate. So, so if businesses are doing that, that's corporate social responsibility. Um, so it's a lot harder maybe to be a business in 2023 than it was in 2003. It is, well, I'd say it's harder, but a lot more rewarding. If you look at the companies that have truly engaged CSR, not just in name because they want to get a marketing boost, but that's really become a part of their identity. Companies like Cotopaxi and Patagonia, two amazing outdoor brands, their employees go to work and they're excited about going to work. The owner, can you imagine running a company when you're giving so much back to society? How good that feels? It's gotta be great. Yeah, so probably more difficult, uh, more barriers to entry, a little bit more risk, and yet so much more fulfilling for these companies. Perfect, so that, yeah. that high risk, high reward you were talking about, I guess. Exactly, yeah, and, and, and in Cambodia, um, what we hope to show, that the great thing about Cambodia is it's still, um, developing, right? That's not no. It's not a United States or a, a Europe country. They they have a lot of room for improvement, and with that, there's a lot of really small businesses. Um, right. There's not a lot of big businesses like there are here in the states already. So that means that we're kind of going in on the ground floor, and I hope we can establish some business norms in their society. Almost like a culture of yeah, a culture. social responsibility. Exactly, a culture of social responsibility from the bottom up, which is really cool. In academic research, academics always, not always, have generally explored large businesses and what they're doing with corporate social responsibility. So a kind of a top-down approach that actually has been shown to not be very successful. Um, we're encouraging small businesses to get involved and to engage in their societies and their communities and take a bottom-up approach. And I, I hypothesize that we'll see more um, 
benefits for the communities with an approach like that. That's really exciting, Ben. Um, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about the process that you went through personally ideating the Cambodia project. Specifically, like when did you first consider doing research in Cambodia of all places? Yeah, so when I was finishing my executive MBA program at Brigham Young University, we um, one of the great things about that two-year program is at the end, you get to spend about three weeks gallivanting different parts of the world, going and touring businesses and um, seeing international perspectives. So I chose to go to Asia and on Asia, we visited, um, let's see, we went to Beijing, Hong Kong, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, and the Philippines. Wow. They were all amazing, eye-opening countries. That sounds, that right? sounds awesome. I, I had lived in Korea for two years on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, so I had that exposure, but Korea is very much like America, right? It's like living in New York City to a large degree. So of all the countries we visited, Cambodia... Cambodia and the Philippines are both uh, very much developing, as well as our Vietnam and Thailand. Um, but there was something unique about Cambodia. The people were so kind. It just came across in, in all of their interactions. They do this thing where you can't see it uh, for anyone that's listening to this podcast, but they, they take their hands and put them together kind of as if they're praying. They hold it just like right below their chin okay. and they give a nice humble bow. And that, that, that action... I think represents their culture to a large degree. They're very humble, kind people. This might sound horrible, but I actually thought when I was in Cambodia, if I was to go up to a Cambodian on the street and just give him a big slap across the face, they would probably apologize for being in my way or something, right? Like, I'm not trying to say they're a demure people, but they're kind and good. And that came across in the culture. And I loved it. And I, and I thought, I want to give back to this country in some way, if possible, down the road. I think that's a really... That's a really cool perspective that you you bring uh, for so many of us who haven't had that experience. Haven't I mean I've never been to Cambodia personally, but um, thank you for sharing that insight. That is that is really cool, and I could see why you'd want to invest in this country that with such great people. Yeah. Um, what experiences have you had that you feel qualify you? Um, you know, to be undertaking what I would call a pretty ambitious research project. It is ambitious, and there's probably two um, two sources that I would go to to just with, with gratitude, right? That I think have given me some of the skills I need. One absolutely is is Penn State University. They taught me some really great research skills. They taught me what I needed to, to know to to run a study like this. Um, but second, working for businesses. I worked before coming back to academia. I worked for about ten years. Um, consulting businesses and working in-house in marketing teams. And when you're doing marketing, you wear lots of hats and you manage a lot of things. And it's an exciting, fun, crazy process. But with that, you increase in your ability to manage a lot of things at once. And so this project is very multifaceted. I think that's the, the couple skills I have. I'm sure I'm going to grow a lot, but the couple skills I have come from industry and then also my training at Penn State. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We're lucky to have you and, and the skills that you bring to this project. I do want to ask, with those skill sets that you have, I'm sure that there are there have been, I'm sure, some challenges already just in this first year of the Cambodia project. Would you mind discussing with me just a few of the most significant challenges you've encountered so far and what you're doing to overcome them? 
uh, as we're talking about, you know, the research that we're doing, how yeah. it's international, what what are some of the biggest challenges? There's so many challenges. And anyone who's done international research, especially if it's in a developing world context, um, have probably run into similar frustrations. I'll give you a couple of examples. The first one is um, it's hard to get money to Cambodia. I, I, I hired people this last summer, the last couple of months on the ground in Cambodia to go out and start laying the groundwork for our research, doing some interviews and things. But just getting money to them is very difficult because their banking system is um, not as developed as, as it is here in the States. So I had to work through some crazy things. It, it ultimately, the, the best way to get money was have uh, one of my research assistants go there. He was already traveling there and send him with a whole bunch of cash or his debit card so he could withdraw money from his ATM. Wow. Right. Okay. Very backwards. That is very different. Different, not backwards, just different. Um, another thing is... Cambodians are not used to filling out surveys and surveys are a big part of research. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, they are. <laughs> so how do you get someone who hasn't filled out a survey before to understand what a survey means? And and there's something in, in research called a Likert scale. This is the scale that you've seen that's maybe one, one to seven. One usually. to seven. One is like highly unsatisfied. Seven is highly satisfied. I'm sure most of us have taken at yeah. least one survey with the Likert Most scale. of the listeners have probably taken a, a scale, a survey with a scale like that. And that's called a Likert scale. Cambodians have not seen that. So we actually had to um, we had to ha- put together a little guide that the interviewers were using to explain how a Likert scale works before then asking the question. That's kind of crazy. I mean, does that mean that we're – are we one of the first um, research projects taking place in Cambodia with, with, with surveys? Is that well, – Sadly, we are. So that, that's like unprecedented in, yeah. in our country. I've looked so heavy to find other research in Cambodia. One of the most highly cited pieces, and it's very, there's not a lot of citations, was there was a company in Japan, an actual company working with some academics to show the importance of brown rice consumption. In Cambodia, they ate lots of white rice and it's actually leading to diabetes. So they were trying to show that brown rice is important. They had a publication in a very, um, it wasn't a great journal, but they did some research, and that was one of the few pieces of research I've even been, been able to find coming out of Cambodia. Wow. Yeah. That is astounding. It's, it's way different. Yeah. What are some other challenges that you've encountered? So you mentioned the surveying yeah. and obviously just the, the cultural difference as far as getting money there. Cultural differences. Um, these people in Cambodia are wonderful, and I think that they would be – the nice thing was in interviewing, they're happy to talk to you. So my interviewers in Cambodia had no problem finding people to interview. Okay. But you have to be careful with, um, from a cultural perspective, the questions you might ask, right? Um, I've read a, a lot of books about the Khmer Rouge and how horrible that, that history was, right? Yeah, um, we'll probably talk about that a little bit more in a different episode. Yeah, and, and we'll have to be careful about how we talk about it because <laughs> sure. it's, it's a sore subject, for them, and, and there's a lot definitely of definitely delicate. Yeah, there's a lot of PTSD, um, the post-traumatic stress disorder that people there are facing, and so we want as researchers to ask questions about that, but we have to be very culturally minded. That if we're asking questions about that or, or delving into it, we're doing it in culturally appropriate ways because a lot of the people we're interviewing may have had family member, members that were killed during that time. So. Um, that's another, there's so much going on culturally 
there. Southeast Asia is already a very different part of the world. And then Cambodia is even more different because of their recent past, what's happened to them. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, This has been great. I feel like we've gone over so much and it hasn't been that long, actually. But before we go, I do have one last question. So in most research papers, Ben, there's usually like a rationale section where the primary researcher, you, would defend his study and explain to the world really why it's important to a specific field, to the research or or the world at large. Um, and so I know we haven't written up any, you know, reports or, or um, official documents about this research study. It's still very much on, on the first few phases yeah. um, before publication. But even so, what, could you give me like a rough draft as far as the rationale section goes? Like how would you defend the Cambodia project um, to another academic, maybe a, a board um, and and why would you say that the Cambodia project is worth doing? That is a great question. And it's it's important to think about the rationale perspective. Um, right now, I'm actually, the nice thing about academic research in the world of business is as a business professor and a business school, we send a lot of really smart, sharp individuals into the world and they make a lot of money in business and they, they donate that money back to business schools. <laughs> so... Business schools have money for research, which is exciting. That is nice. So normally business school professors don't go after grants. However, I want um, my research assistants, such as you, to be able to go to Cambodia with me, be on the ground, make a difference there. So we need funds. So I'm actually applying to grants right now. And thinking through that rationale is very important. You have to explain that in your grant process or else you don't get those funds that you need. For sure. So... um, my rationale is multifaceted for sure, but I would I would say let's let's start as as global as possible. Let's talk about the world. How is this beneficial to the world? Even if the project is not successful, I'm hoping at the end of the day, my research shows that businesses who engage in social good see increased revenue. That is so hard to show though. First of all, tracking revenue um, for companies that might not want to disclose that for taxation reasons, for right? For sure, yeah, especially in, 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 com- like in, in Cambodia. Yeah, especially in Cambodia where maybe they're not too worried about tracking because they just are, like, I, I think you mentioned in the, in the first podcast that we did, um, that survival mentality. They, they're still in the survival mentality, so they're not too worried about bookkeeping, right? For sure. But the end goal is show that there's a revenue lift. But even if we don't hit that goal, we're going to show that doing this kind of research in the developing world, like Cambodia, it lifts, it benefits. We gain insights that will add to other academic research and to nonprofits and NGOs that are working in these countries. They can borrow from what we're going to do. So from a worldwide perspective, that's how I would justify it. a more local justification, how, how am I justified in spending my time on this? I think about my own family, right? Thinking about my wife and my two boys. They're amazing and they're so supportive. And they supported me getting my PhD and all the long hours that entailed. Now they're supporting me on this Cambodia project. I'm flying out there probably in January, flying out again, hopefully with um, you and some other research assistants in, in April, late April. 
how do I justify weeks at a time away from my family? That's something that I, I think about regularly. Um, this research, uh, selfishly, is making making me a better person. I'm learning. I'm exploring. I'm growing. Yeah, we're definitely pushing boundaries. We're pushing sure. boundaries. Yeah, um, but it's good for my two boys to see. Right there, one of our new research assistants, Oliza. She actually just came from Cambodia. She's studying here at Brigham Young University. We recently hired her. It's awesome. We had her and her husband and their toddler son over for dinner. Um, that is my fantastic. family. Yeah, it was so, so fun. Cool. Yeah, for my boys to just get to see different perspectives, right? So um, this kind of research is beneficial for the families of the researchers. It's beneficial for the universities. Hopefully this will shine a light on some of the good things that Brigham Young University is working on. And it, it helps lift the world. So even if I don't get my top tier journal publications out of this, I'm still up for doing it because I feel like it's going to have an impact somewhere, somewhere along that line. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And I know it, it can be difficult to do this high risk, high reward kind of research, but the way you're describing the Cambodia project, it makes it sound like it's just a force for good and for everyone that is involved, for everyone that it touches. Yeah. Um, we're hoping that it lifts and expands and breaks down barriers and um, is a force for good, like, yeah. like you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, that so I, I mentioned Cotopaxi. They're a, a company local here in Utah. They do do these really cool bags, right? That they use kind of sustainable fabrics to make the bags. Yeah. They're they're very um, in style right now. They're in style. Years. Yeah. And, and anyone who, if you ever, if, for any of our listeners, if you are out there and see. Um, if our listeners are traveling and they see a really colorful bag with lots of different colors of fabric that made that bag, that's Cotopaxi, right? So as a brand, they're very recognizable. But Davis Smith, the founder, it is so cool what he has done. He started on day one requiring that a certain percentage of not profits but revenue go towards social good. And for the, I, I believe it was the first four years, um, he disclosed this when he's sharing it himself, so I can share this, but during the first four years of his operation, they were not making money, as is the case with most small businesses. They were losing money. Wow. And so the investors kept coming to him and saying, wait, you want another round of funding, but you're gonna give away X percent for <laughs> charitable good and you're not even profitable? We like he, he had to convince them to do that. And now look at him, for the last several years, the company's booming, making a lot of money, and they've shown that social good inside of a business setting can be fruitful. And it's part of who they are. And people buy their bags and pay a premium for them in large part because of the social good that they're doing. So yeah, I, that's, I hope we can shine a light on this and help find some applicable findings to make more companies out there want to be the next Cotopaxi. I love that, Ben. Thank you so much for sharing what you did about the Cambodia project, about Cotopaxi. It's all very inspiring. Um, and thank you for being vulnerable with me and, and with our listeners um, as we dive into something that's uh, very personal for you. Um, hopefully we will talk again soon. And uh, I just wanna thank you one more time for your time today and uh, for discussing these, these highly um, important topics with me on Inside the Cambodia Project. 
So today I had the amazing opportunity to interview Ben and hear some of his insights as to the why behind the Cambodia project. I really enjoyed his vulnerability and the way he talked about uh, the rationale behind the project. Um, and I also really enjoyed hearing some of his insights as far as the implications it could have for BYU, for research and for the rest of the world. Next time on Inside the Cambodia Project, I will be interviewing Kylie Sog, a student researcher and employee at the Ballard Center for Social Impact here at BYU. Until then, look where you stand.